Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad, it really incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in community, as well as intentionally serving our kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. This conversation with my friend Keith was so good. I just finished editing it, and as I sit here and reflect uh, on the conversation, even the end uh, was just so good. Keith talks about his relationship with his high-functioning autistic child um, who's 11, talks about engaging in conversation with him and really learning how to speak to him. And that could just be applied to all of us as we learn to speak with our children and we learn to not just let them give us one word answers, but how to engage in conversation and pull information out of them and that we shouldn't give up on that. We should just pay attention to it and take the time to know who our kids are. A couple other things that just stuck out, talking about not having a angry household and how to create an environment in your home that is safe and the importance around that. And then really, as men, the little actions, the day in and day out, the things that we do that maybe nobody notices or we you know think that nobody notices, our kids see it, our kids are paying attention. And the lifelong impact that those actions have on our children are so significant. So please enjoy this episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I'd like to welcome my friend Keith in the office. How are you doing, Keith? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's Friday morning. Crazy week. Yeah. How about yourself? Same. Yeah. Real crazy week. Nice. So Keith and I have known each other for, shoot, it's probably been eight years. And if you have read the Rebel and Create book that I wrote, it talks a lot about Epic, the skate park, and that is where Keith and I met. Yeah, I was uh, managing the place when you were trying to take it over. I was hoping you would have taken it over. I know. The plan was that Keith was going to keep running the place like he was beautifully doing and have freedom to do some of the stuff that you would have liked to have done to make it more successful. Yeah, but I I look back at those times a lot and I'm like, oh, man, it would have been so awesome because we could have made it like the NorCal barracks, you know, like it would have been. But... I look at it like, oh, I would have been stuck there. Looking back at it now, whenever I'm on a vacation and I'm kind of reflecting on stuff or say I'm camping with my kids, I'm like, I'm not wondering if my phone's going to ring with, hey, yeah. somebody broke their leg. We need you down here. Yeah. Or the le- the roof is leaking. Yeah. Right. That yeah. stuff would happen. Well, not only that, but that's, you know, what I have now is some far, so far beyond running a skate park, you yeah. know, even though running a skate park sounds really awesome no matter how much you're really making, like how far can you move up the ladder if you're... You're going to you know, live there. Yeah. That's going to be your life. Yeah. Yeah. So so, <clears throat> so people can get kind of a good understanding of who you are. What is it that you're doing right now? So I'm a uh, photographer, videographer, editor. Um, I I basically run my own production company that we handle all all types of media, whether it be you know social media for clients or business commercials or documentaries or photo shoots or heck yeah and you're working on stuff with with me right now for projects we're working on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm uh helping produce some media for you yeah That's, heck uh, yeah super exciting okay so you are married i am married how long you've been married, married uh, four years four years and how many kids do you have 
Um, we, I, I have two. I have one from a previous, uh, uh, my first son was from a previous relationship, and then my wife and I have a uh, three-year-old. Awesome. He's gonna be, he'll be three in December. Okay. So. And what have your kids called you over the years? Dad. Dad. He's just dad. Dad. Yeah. Nothing, nothing or, silly or anything? Uh, Captain No Fun. <laughs> Who's called you that? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> oh my M- mostly me. Mostly, Mostly myself calling my, you know, because uh, I can see it in their eyes when I, uh, <laughs> I just come in the room and ruin all the fun. <laughs> I don't think um. that's probably true. <laughs> um, as a dad, thinking about becoming a dad, has there been a resource to you that has been helpful? Other um, than just School of Hard Knocks, figure it out yourself. So I heard, I was listening to one of your previous podcasts and I heard you ask, um, I ask your guests that. And I, it made me think about it too. And at first, my first gut reaction was like, no, um, not really, uh, you know, but the more I think about it as I, I do, I, I do have somewhat of a resource. I, I mean, I would call it in it more of an example mm. that I witnessed, you know? Um, so was, um, my mom married a man when I was about 15 and that guy, his name's Dave. And it, he, um, he was the first example in my life that was like, Oh snap. That's what a good dude looks like. Mm. Like, Oh, okay. I get it. Like, Oh, that's okay. I see what you're doing there. You're working hard. You're taking care of your family. You're not like yelling all the time. Like, okay. Like, all right, I get it. That's cool. I like that. So that's for for me, like that's like the, the little kind of um, resource, I guess that I would say is like, look back on. Yeah. You know, was he, um, is he still around in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Him, um, he's still married to my mom. So okay. yeah. It's grandpa Dave. Grandpa Dave. <laughs> Dave was a resource to you. Yeah. Because you saw him. Yeah. Did you rebel against him when you were 15? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, definitely. At what point um, do you not? Think- no, no, no. Actually not right away. Like right away. I was like, ah, whatever. I'm cool with it. Cause I wasn't in the house very much. I was like playing a bunch of sports and going to school and skateboarding. And so I was like, ah, whatever, you know, like, um, you're going to help make it to where my mom doesn't have to work so much. Cause at the time she was working a bunch of jobs, being a single mom, trying to take care of, uh, you know, the kids. And I was like, oh, well, if you come in, then, uh, she won't have to work so much. So whatever, I'm cool with it. But then as I like, I think it was probably around like 19 is mm. when, is when I was just being kind of like a little shithead you know, lost teenager yeah, and, uh, got into it with him. Um, just like one major time and ended up like leaving the house and like moving out and just whatever. But it was my fault. I was being an idiot, you know? And he was just like, if you want to act like that, get out of here. And I was like, all right, bye. <laughs> and looking back on it, I was like, I could have just been like, Hey, my bad. So, but, but at some point after that, you guys reconnected. Oh, totally. No, I mean like very shortly after that, I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry. So he's know? a good dude. No, he's a great dude. And a good, he's been a good example for you as you've had your kids. Yeah. And he never tried to like be like my dad, quote, mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, like he never was like, Hey son, I'm going to, you know, he never did that. Yeah. He never, like he always gave me space and respect. And I just watched how he treated my mom. Mm. And that was, he was the first dude that I witnessed um, treating my mom with like real, like actual love and respect where I could like, oh shit, that's real. Right. Like he's like, he come, I would, so this is one thing that I don't, I don't, I haven't really shared with anybody, but whatever. Um, the, the major thing that stuck out to me that 
if you like ask me to define like what a man is, mm. there's one thing that he, I remember he's a plumber. Okay. Like a commercial plumber. So he, he'd be literally, he'd walk through the door in his work boots and with his lunch pail, dust and dirt and just shit from head literally to, I could see it in his hair. Yeah. Yeah. He walks through the door and the first thing he does goes straight to my mom. Hey honey, how was your day? Is there anything I can do for you? Wow. And I just remember being like a 15 year old little shithead teenager sitting on the couch watching TV and my mom's in there doing dishes after working and I'm yeah. sitting there being lazy and he comes in looking like that, knowing that he's been at work since fucking 7 a.m., yeah, 6 a.m. Yeah, busting his ass. And the first thing he does is, hey, can I do anything for you? I'm like, just, whoa. Like, oh, is that what a, that's what a man, and then what, looking at the look on my mom's face, mm-hmm. she never asked him to do anything. Every single time he'd be like, can I do anything for you? She'd be like, no, go take a shower. I got dinner. Oh, so that's a relationship. Hmm. He's willing to do things. So she's willing to do things. Nobody's forcing each other. He's not coming in saying, where's my dinner? And she's not being like, you need to take the trash out. Right. They're like, can I do anything? No, no, I got it. You know, you got it. No, you sit down. It's like, oh, shit. That's that's a a relationship. Which is very drastic from the relationship I saw before. So my mom was married to another guy before that, that which was not your dad, which is not my dad, um, who was just literally the complete opposite. Hmm. So I grew up like the first half of my life. I grew up in a house full of just anger and bitterness and yelling and literally just praying that somebody wasn't home, you know, as I round the corner, walking home, just praying, I didn't see, so, you know, the, 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 car, the, the, the car in the driveway and, you know, just living that way. My, like up until I was like Shit. 12, from what age, from, from, from till I was about 12, like my whole life up until I was 12, I just remember having like mass anxiety and just stress and just like, Oh, I hope I don't say the wrong thing or I hope I don't do the wrong thing. And or, it's mainly just the dude. It wasn't yeah. your mom. It's just no, this no. Dude who was yeah. a control freak. Yeah. And, um, and then that ended when I was about 12 and then my mom just like struggled till I was 15. And then once I was 15 and Dave came in, it was like a whole different world. It's like, Oh shit. Like this is okay. Like I can breathe. I can be comfortable, you know? So dude, that's so good. And you think the things that we're doing, like our actions as men and that that's what rebellion creates all about is that simple act of him just walking in and being willing and aware like, who who thought that the 15-year-old right. skater punk on the couch is even paying attention to right. that? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. He was focused on uh, my mom. He didn't. He wasn't trying to. He wasn't like, oh, Keith's going to see this. Yeah. Like, he was just being yeah. a good dude. Yeah. And you saw the difference in the way your mom acted and responded to him versus the shitstorm you all lived in before this dude. Yeah. Which... You had said when you came in, he wasn't your dad, that your dad left when you were two. Around, somewhere around there, yeah. And then some other dude stepped in and he was there till you were 12. Yeah. Man, that's a lot to see. I mean, just both sides of the coin before you're 19 years old and then you're going to go out and do it on your own. So there was this example though, almost the negative and the positive that maybe help influence you know what both sides lead to. Yeah, and what's funny is... 
I'm interrupting this important conversation that you probably just started getting into with a big announcement. During the month of November and the beginning of December 2019, I need your help and this is all hands on deck. I've created a daily journal designed to help dads like you and I stay focused on being the engaged and intentional fathers we desire to be. Do you ever feel like I do sometimes, like you're not cutting it, you're not hitting the mark as a father? Well, my hope is that this journal would be one tool that could help you get there. But it will not come to market unless it is funded. We are doing this through a crowdfunding website where it's all or nothing. So please go to our Instagram or Facebook at Rebel and Create and follow links to our Kickstarter campaign for the Fatherhood Legacy Journal. Or you can go to kickstarter.com and in the search put in Fatherhood Legacy Journal or Rebel and Create Fatherhood Legacy Journal and it'll pop up and we need your help. So please buy a journal for yourself, for a friend, or for a dad that you know. We would so appreciate it because we believe fatherhood matters and we're doing all we can to spread the word and create tools that will help support dads everywhere. And now back to that important conversation you were just getting into. I feel like Dave is like um, more of my example as how to be a man, Hmm. just like how to be a good dude. Yeah. And the negative that I had before is like kind of like my guideline of what not to do. Yeah. So I find myself sometimes heading in that direction with my kids Mm -hmm. and really having to check myself like, oh man, like don't have an angry household, Mm you know? And right now is in, in my household's a little stressful. I, you know, my youngest is going through his terrible, terrible twos and terror. He's going to be, you know, and he's super high energy, super duper high energy. <laughs> and is just like wrecking, wrecking house every day, you know, literally. In fact, the last three days he's been waking up before 5am scre- ready to go screaming, banging and just ready. Ready. Damn. <laughs> Having us lose our mind before 6am, you know, it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> and on top of that, I've had a really busy few weeks yeah. And so is my wife. So we're both like extremely exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that for a second. So rebel and create that. I think that kind of leads us into the rebel and create topic that we've been talking about is, you know, for me, rebel and create came in 2015. It can really be applied to any aspect of my life, but the core it's to rebel against the expectations I put on myself or the expectations that I think the world is putting on me as a dude. And then out of that, don't just rebel for the sake of it, but to create something out of it. What am I hoping to create out of my rebelling against a status quo? Um, And it's really, you know, mastering the craft of fatherhood, manhood, um, because I think fatherhood incorporates not just having kids, but having a spouse, having a peaceful home. That's a huge thing. And like the stability and stuff that you and I create in our home, people don't realize like, we're all living out in the world and we all put these faces on, but we all go to some place that should be a safe, healthy environment. Not one that when we're leaving the world, coming around the corner to be home, that we're more full of anxiety than going to school. You know, this should be the place where you come and you sit on the couch or around the dinner table and you just, ah, I'm safe here. And so that's what rebel and create is. So what is it that you are rebelling and creating? Um, for 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 my wife and I, the major thing that we kind of get flack for 
from our peers and family members is the fact that we're a one income household. So my wife is a stay at home mom and my business has its ups and downs. I'm still building, um, I, over the, I've been full time for about eight years now. And, um, I've gone through a few different business changes with partners and different avenues of what I'm going to focus my business on as most, you know, yeah. Entrepreneurs um, growing your business. And, uh, so there's times where we struggle, you know? And, and when I say struggle, I mean like really struggle. Like we're like, you know, living, living gig to gig. And I don't even know when the next gig's planned, you know, just hoping somebody calls me for something Mm -hmm. so we can like buy some groceries, you know, we've gotten to that point, you know? And during those times, you know, our moms or whatever will like hook us up with some groceries or whatever. And, they always, you know, drop a comment, you know, like, oh, you know, maybe Crystal could go back to, you know, if, you know, Crystal would go back to work or whatever. And, or somebody will like email her like a job posting because mm. she, she did used to work for the state. Okay. Um, so she was, she was, you know, a state employee. So she's, you could still get like job postings for state jobs, you know, once you're in the system. And so some, every once in a while, somebody will like email her a job posting. And she's like, I'm not planning on going back to work. What are you doing? You know, but, well, you know, you guys could have more, you know, and we don't want that because with her going to work comes somebody else raising our children and we, we're not down for that. I'm from the beginning with her. I told her that that's, not necessarily what I wanted, but what I wanted, that was the environment I wanted to provide for her. So if you want to work, you go ahead and work. If you find a job that you're like, oh, I love this job. Yeah. Of course, go work. You will figure it out. Uh, but if you don't, if you don't want to work, like you don't have to, like, and if you want to stay at home with the kids, you stay at home with the kids. Like that's what, that's what I want. And I told her that's not necessarily what I need from a wife. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's the environment I want to provide. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to work hard enough and long enough that my wife can pretty much my wife and kids can do whatever they want whenever they want um she kind of rebelled against that for a little bit because she wanted to you know i'm an independent woman i want to make my i don't you know and then and then finally she was like all right i'm down (laughs) um so now she's you know a um, stay-at-home mom and which is a hard job man yeah it's especially if your job starts at 5 a.m yeah Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, and sometimes it's like, dude, just dropping this kid off at daycare all day is a breath. And that's fine if that's what people do. Right. Of course. Uh, Cause it's whatever works for you, but you just go, man, props because yeah, you and I are working right now <laughs> we're here doing this and we're going to do some video stuff this afternoon, but it's also kind of fun. And there isn't yeah. a three-year-old, you know, but biting I, my leg. But you and I, I feel we have earned the right to have fun at work because I've worked in the trenches. I've, yeah. I've dug ditches. I've been on my knees. I've worked the construction. I've done the pizza delivery. I've done the whatever fast it food. took. I worked uh, one year I was working and um, I took a job. It was actually when I was working at Epic. I don't even know if you knew this, but one Christmas we were so broke that I took a job waiting tables mm. at night so that we could provide some gifts and, you know, and, and make it through the winter. dude are you serious like i'm like waiting tables and you know i'm like over 30 years old having to go back 
you know, way backwards. And, you know, I came from uh, a foreman on a construction site, like running large scale commercial tile jobs. Yeah making good money to being like, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to go work at a skate park and see where this leads. And then to waiting tables and like mopping floors and cleaning the freaking bathrooms. And it's like, Whoa, dude, this, I can't believe I'm doing this right now, but whatever. Um, so I feel like I, when I have fun at work, like, well, I've done the other side too. You don't have to feel bad about it. So I, I, I am allowed to do this now. I feel, you know, that's, I love it. So out of the rebelling against, you know, the dual income kind of cultural expectation. <clears throat> You're creating an environment for your family. Yeah, I, so th- I think that's, that's not necessarily my, um, my main goal with the business. So the one income family, I'm, that's, I guess, the environment for my kids and my wife to be able to have the freedom. But, mm-hmm. but the, the business that I'm running, I, I'm focused on, creating something that's sustainable. So I want to create something that my sons can look at and say, Oh, I've got an easy accessible career path or I can go do my own thing. Yeah. If they want to do their own thing, they do their own thing, but they've got something that they can step right into and make a good, fun, enjoyable living or even just run the business. You know what I mean? Like I would like to get it to a point where it's um, multiple employees and and running itself, and then they can just make money off of it, and then go do whatever they want to do, you know. So that's that's like what, that. you know that's what I look at. What I'm trying to create is not necessarily wealth. I don't want to like I obviously want to be rich and and successful, but the purpose of the success is to basically build like a franchisable um, real estate. So I, I film mostly real estate, and that's obviously fairly cookie cutter yeah. and can go anywhere in the country. So I'm trying to build something that can be franchisable and then they can literally just live off of and go find their passion to be able to do what they want. So. I dig it. I dig it because I think that that's kind of a lost art, you know, as, as I try my best to teach my kids what I do and you know, how I do it. And you know, a hundred years ago, your kid would get up with you every day and just go work plant the, seeds. Yeah, or, work the farm. Yeah, whatever it was that you did. And now it's not so much like that, which I almost think that too many options is a little crippling. You know, it's like, you can be whatever you want. Well, shoot, I don't even know. It's almost like I, I yeah. it'd be nice to have something to follow. And so I like that your approach to it because you're like, I'm creating something that they can step into. And, you know, being an entrepreneur, I mean, that's the way of the future is to be able to solve problems, build relationships and go figure it out, you know, versus yeah. go get paid $12 an hour by somebody who shoot, somebody just came along who wants 1150. See you later. Bye. You know, yeah. so you got to be able to solve problems and, and go figure it out and be willing to do the work. And I think that's the thing that's going to be hardest to teach our kids is you need to go wait tables now, tonight. You you know, the hope is that our kids don't need to. But at the same yeah. time, that's the stuff that has shaped us. I mean, I was just, I was talking about some of the other day when I was in SoCal working and I needed money. Uh, my cousin was worked at the grocery store and he's like, dude, I know you need money. We're all going on strike. Go be a scab. And I did. I went and I was a scab. I walked through the line and I just put food on the shelves for like 18 bucks an hour, which was a lot when I was, you know, yeah. 22, 23, whatever is a job. Yeah. 
So, you know, you know, working a first job and then going and doing that from nine until 2 a.m. or whatever it was that I was doing it. Teaching our kids to have that same work ethic. That's that's something that we need to think about. No, I mean, yes and no. Okay, what do you so think about that? Every generation um, evolves a little. Hmm. So our parents thought that we didn't work hard enough. You know, their parents didn't think they worked hard enough. Hmm. Every generation thinks that the generation underneath them is ah, they're lazy, good for nothing. You know, we hear that from every from every generation. In my opinion, I'm okay. you know I'm I'm young, but looking at back at history, you know, every every generation looks at their kids or their grandkids and they're like oh back in my day yeah it's not as hard now you know, yeah oh i had to walk uphill in <laughs> snow both ways yeah. you know yeah we, we, we've all heard that story from our grandparents right you know? and now we're looking at our kids being like oh look at these lazy millennials and blah 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 but our, that's exactly what our grandparents and parents were saying about us yeah and we're like no we work hard and that generation underneath us our kids or whatever, they're saying that they're going to work hard, but they're going to work hard in a different in way. A different way. See, like our folks or our grandparents, they were working hard in the factory. You you get your job, you know, you go to college, you get your job, you buy your house. That's the that's the plan. Right. And then we rebelled against that, and we're going to. Di- I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, what like <laughs> you're going to go take pictures for a living? You know, go get a real job. Mm. You know, like what you don't know. What do you mean you don't know how much you're going to make next month? What does that mean? You know, like that is unfathomable to, um, you know, my grandparents. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. like if I went to my grandma and was like, hey, I, I don't know how much, you know, what, I don't get a paycheck. She, well, what do you mean? You, know, you have a family. You don't get a paycheck. You need to get a real job, you know, like and I'm going to look at my kids and I'm going to say, what are you doing? You're what are you doing playing video games for a living? That's not a real job. But he's making a million dollars a year. Right. You know, so it's it's perspective, I think, you know, I like that. No, I like that. And as, I think and you're right. And as I get older, I, I'm really much more aware of my own naive, naive naiveness. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm much more aware that I'm like, oh, I really, wow, that's I, the way I'm thinking maybe isn't correct. You know, maybe I should reevaluate that. I like that because it requires us to be open yeah. to what's next. My wife and I have conversations about um, one thing that that I've helped her kind of oh, not like change her mind, but kind of be more open to is like, um, screen time. Hmm. You know, um, we hear a lot about, Oh, limit your screen time, limit your screen time. And I agree. Yeah. Screen time should be limited, but I also look at it like, um, well, not only screen time, but at what age do you allow the kids to start getting on certain things, you know, you know yeah. tablets and things like that. And it's like, um, my parents hated it when I played video games, they'd tell me, Oh, stop playing video games. It's going to rot your brain. No, it helped me learn how to solve problems and, you know, hand-eye coordination. And, and I still went and played outside, but I loved playing video games and I'd spend hours on that. And now they're spending hours on YouTube or whatever, you know, and it's like, that's just what that generation does. Right. So if you don't let them acclimate, like think about when we were kids, the kid that didn't have video games at his house. Kid was a weirdo, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, my parents don't allow me to have video games. Everybody was like, Nah, don't don't mess with that kid. <laughs> Weird, dude. So imagine you send your kid to school, and he's the one kid that doesn't have like a tablet or something at, at home. He's he might be the weird kid. Right. So that's what I'm I'm like trying to be more open and aware of is not being that back in my day kind of guy. Yeah, my wife is better than me at that with the cell phone. So it's like I've got a teenager, you know, and at the end of middle school, and we got her a phone at the beginning of middle school, and there's been a couple times that we've had to pull back on it, you know, and there's, you know, I'm like, 
it's done. I'm done with it. Let's just get rid of it. And and that's where my wife was like, you can't. no, we yeah. we need to teach her how to use it right. Yeah. She's going to screw up with it. So we're going to give it back in increments and continue to pay attention to it so that they know how to use it right. Which I get that because you think of the kid who maybe didn't have anything and was 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 guarded and protected from everything as soon as they hit college or high school or some situation they're screwed because they yeah. don't know how to handle themselves yeah, they, as soon as they get that inch of freedom they're just go nuts well they don't even know it's like you're not going to talk about like let's use alcohol for example you know you're not going to talk about it at all or kind of make it aware or your kids know what it, i'm not saying your kids should know what it tastes yeah, like it, or whatever it, but you know what i'm saying yeah like, and then all of a sudden they're put in a situation and they have five or six and they're like totally gone because they never knew anything about yeah, exactly. being aware of how exactly. it impacts you. So, yeah, those are things I think as parents, it's like you can't protect your kids from everything. It really sets them up for failure. Well, not only it's not only about protecting your kids. It's about n- not putting your kids into your childhood mm. because you grew up in a different generation. It's just it's it's pretty simple. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, man, I should write a book just based on that like concept yeah. because I feel like more parents and more, just more adults should deal with the younger generation in that manner is they're not kids when you were a kid. So don't put them in that world because the world is a hundred percent different. Yeah. Shoot. I didn't have my first cell phone until I was 19. Exactly. I, we, we both grew up in a house with no internet. Right. 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 I mean, I had, I, I still remember literally having, and not for a goof, but a literal uh, rotary phone on my wall. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember that we lived in a house that had a freaking rotary phone on the wall. With a long ass cord or something? Well, no, it was just one of those reg- regular ones. And then we had the ones that had the 30 foot cord, Yeah, you know, but I remember that time. And so I can't put myself, I can't put my kid, uh, you in know, my, world. my 11 year old yeah. son into a world where the internet doesn't exist. I can't do that. Because he, it's just, you can't do that. It doesn't. It, it's a different world. It's not that world anymore. Yeah. He's gonna be like, "What do you mean, no internet? Is it like turned off?" <laughs> he just, yeah. Sheesh. You think about how now we wake up and it's like, uh, Google, turn on the music. Exactly. Google, call call grandma. So if you don't let your kids somewhat embrace that, they're gonna be that kind of weird kid at school that's like looking over a shoulder of somebody who does have a smartphone and being like, Hey, what's that? And be like, what do you mean? What's that? You don't have, Oh, Jimmy doesn't have a smartphone. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't want your kid to be that kid, but you also still have to limit because YouTube's a crazy place. The internet is a crazy place. So yeah. you don't want your kid just kind of wandering around. But now even just talking about it, I'm thinking the world was a pretty crazy place when we were kids and our parents just said, have at it. Go outside. Come back by dinner. Yeah, and that's what's funny now is like I would just leave my house with no phone. No phone. And I would ride my bike all over town Wherever. at 12 years old. Uh-huh. And now we won't do that. No, but but we – and then we're worried about them being on the internet. It's like, okay, so they're going to see some stuff. Like, okay, that's probably detrimental. But we could have gotten like kidnapped and murdered and you would have never known ever what happened because there's no phone. There's no GPS. There's no, just yeah. nothing. You're just like, I don't even know where you're – I don't even know what direction you're heading. I don't know what you're wearing. Just just go. Be back by dinner. That's the intro to your book right there. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're like, oh, it can't be on YouTube because they might uh, see something. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of the approach I take with the – Dude, that's that, – yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love where this has just gone because you're passionate about it and it matters to you. And I think that it's important for us to be aware of for our kids. So, yeah, for me, I think the passion comes from 
trying to figure out how to be a good dad because I didn't really have that model. You know, Dave showed me how to be a man, but I didn't have a good example of like what a good dad looks like. So now I find myself like when I listen to podcasts, like you, the last one you just put up. And then when I see like you interacting with your family, it's like, I get really intimidated because I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Hmm. You know? And I feel you, like you asked me when we first came in, you're just like, Oh, you think you're a good dad? And it was just kind of like a lighthearted question. Yeah. And most guys are probably like, yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I think I'm a good dad. You know, I really don't, I'm really uncomfortable answering that question. I find, I find myself like, I don't know if you noticed, but I, yeah. I mean, I was like totally. quiet for a second. Cause I'm like, well, I guess I, I mean, I don't. so in my opinion, your response is pointing that you are a better dad than you realize and, and I don't want to say one dad's better than the other because I'm so about be yourself. And I think that when you answer it like, I don't know, I, I, I think so, that you are thinking about it. Always. that you're <laughs> See, you're thinking about it. Now, I do think at a certain point, not that this is like what we were going to talk about, but at a certain point, I, I and I think, honestly, dude, and only I'm 36 and only in the last... Uh, two, three years, like I've really started to be more confident about myself and who I am. I think personally that everybody struggles with insecurity and we cover it in different ways. But I think at some level, we're all asking, am I a good man? Am I, am I a good man? Am I a good dad? Have I made it? Um, but at a certain point, I do think that I need to look in the mirror and be okay with myself. But my point is in you saying, I think so, and I'm trying versus, yeah, man, I'm a great dad. You're just saying that. You're not actually thinking about it. I think the dude who wakes up and goes, am I being a good dad? Am I being a good husband? Am I paying attention? That means you're paying attention. And dude, do I screw up sometimes? Yeah, for sure. But it's what do I do from that screw up? You know, so being a good dad, what does that even mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, like I said, I think my actual answer was like, I'm, I'm here, like I'm there. Yeah. I'm, you know, so. <laughs> I think that the two things that I think I fall, fall to is like, I think we should all be ourselves, but am I serving my family? You know, is, is, am I serving my family? And I do think that as a man to balance, cause I could be, I'm working right now. So yes, I'm serving, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. I do think at some level it's, I'm also setting time aside just to be with them and it could be watching a show, it could be reading a book, it could be going to the park, it could be literally anything if I'm not just thinking about myself. And that's a hard thing, maybe just for me, but I think everybody is thinking about myself. Like, am I always thinking about myself or am I pausing to think about, how's Sarah today? I wonder how she's doing. Like Dave who walks through the door and says, I've been, you know, digging and plumbing all day but how are you do you need anything can i get you anything and just that one thing makes the person feel like yeah this works and that's a relationship i think i think too deeply well it's not only that it's man it's uh it's the the butterfly effect it's the the impact that that has on the 15 year old that's sitting on the on the couch so who's talking about it what 15 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And still very vivid in my brain, you know? Um, and I try really hard to make sure that my kids see that too. 
Okay, here's where it is, man. Because you and I say, am I a good dad? And we go, am I planning this week-long trip to Disneyland? You know, and spending all this time, money, and energy. And that's great. I'd love to do that. But all Dave did was walk in the door and ask a question. Yeah, and it changed my life. And it changed your life. And so I think sometimes we get, you know, because of internet, because of Instagram, I see what so many other dads are doing and go, oh my gosh, that dude, how did he go out on the lake with the paddle boards on a Tuesday morning or whatever it is that I saw. And we compare ourselves a little bit. Those things are great. Try to do whatever you can with your family, but it's those little day in and day out actions that we each make. And that's what I, that's what I focus a lot of my energy on is See, I struggle a little bit because, like you said, with like the Instagram and all that, you see, or well, I see a lot, and it makes me feel unsuccessful because, like, I'm I'm still renting, you know, and and I I don't have jet skis and I don't have a RV and I don't, you know, it's like I yeah. don't I don't really have much of anything. We don't take a lot of vacations because we can't afford it, you right. know. Um, we're kind of just like living right now while the business I'm trying to like, I'm all my energy is really going into like building. And so it's, it's a struggle right now to look out and and feel any kind of success. Cause I'm like, I don't have anything to show for all this hard work that I'm doing. But then I have to take a step back and I, I think I'm home every day. I'm home most, most during the days I'm like, I'm home a lot because there's a lot of editing that I do. So I shoot for a small amount and then I get to be home for, you know, and then I'm home for long stretches where I'll have like a few days where I don't have anything going on and I'll be home for like four days straight. It's like four days and you're in your kid's life and I'm there just like hanging out, taking my kid to the park and whatever, you know, just, just doing whatever, hanging, hanging around, just being there. And I'm thinking like, Oh, I'm being lazy because I'm not working, but maybe I need to look at it a little bit more like I'm, I'm more around than anybody else that I had in my life. You know yeah. I mean? So I couldn't imagine if it was like when I was a kid, if it was just like a Tuesday and I was able to just like hang out with my dad all day, you know, like, Whoa, what? This is crazy. It's like all that other stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean it does, but it also doesn't, Yeah, you know, like it, it does to be able to have the, the security and the, you know, this, you know, nice environment. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> tough because it's both. It's, and I think this is a thing that I go, I want to be content with where I'm at, but also strive to grow. That's how I feel every day. I'm content with my life, but anxiously clawing for more. If that like makes you know makes yeah. any sense at all, is that it's because it's both. It's because it, to say anxious and content are two opposites. Yeah. So it's trying to live in that tension of I'm going to sit down and play with my three year old at the park, and I'm also working towards some other things. Yeah. And they're not better. So my dad keeps pushing me on this word better. So it's like I'm not better today than I was a year ago because I wasn't bad a year ago. It's just now, but I will say that if I look back at myself a year ago. I want to see progress and growth. You could say better. I'd say better. Yeah, I know. But Just, he, he's see, pushing but, at me on better. Well, see, is, I think it's a mindset is that when you say better, you don't have to think bad to better. You think better, even better. Yeah, I like that because... Even it, better. Even better. Yeah. So just throw that word in the front. Is like I want to be even better than I was last year. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be better because that, you know, that does imply maybe some negative... I wasn't as good... 
So you want to say, I want to be, I was great last year. I want to be even better this year. Yeah. And it's because, and I think sometimes people push back on that, but we're about progress, right? We're evolving people and I want to grow and I want to continue to be more the person I want to be. Yeah. Oh, um, I forget what the, the, um, the scientist's name is that says he wants to, um, everybody does like seven impossible things before breakfast, Hmm. waking up in the morning. It's an, it's an impossible thing to just like wake up. You know I mean? The human body, we do seven impossible things before breakfast. What do you mean you can't get up and go to work? You know, your lungs are working. Like you're literally intaking oxygen from wherever, where, however that exists comes into your, and then turns into something and pumps through your body. You've just done seven impossible things before breakfast and you haven't even gotten out of bed Dude, that's killer. So don't tell Uh me, don't tell me that you can't, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Like, look at what your body's doing. That never stops. And you can't get up and, you know. Dude, that's really good. So my alarm, my my, my work alarm yeah. says, uh, you know, you can put like a note. Yeah. Or it just mm-hmm. says, get up, bitch. <laughs> so, <it's> just, <laughs> every morning I look at that and it just says, get up, bitch. Get to work. It says, get to work, bitch. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's good. Every morning. So that way I'm, I'm challenging myself to not be a bitch that day. Yeah. Like, come on, bro. You got it. You got it. I watched some motivational <laughs> video. I love these motivational videos on YouTube, man. I'll listen to them in the morning when I'm like working out or in the shower or whatever. And there's this one, and this lady says this thing about when you're laying there in bed to go five, four, three, two, one, and then get up. So sometimes if I, I wake up, you know, and I'm like, oh, here I go. I'm just like five, four, three, and dude, just up, just bounce out. He's like, whatever works, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. So, all right, dude, we got about 10 minutes left. And everything we've been talking about is so good and so rich and just important for us dads to be having conversations like this because it makes us even better. Yeah. So what I want to talk about for for a few minutes is your one older son. How Mm. old is he? 11. 11. And he is autistic. Yeah, high-functioning autistic. So I would just love to kind of dig into that for a few minutes because there's other men out there who are dads. And how are you a dad to him? And how has that evolved over the last 11 years? That's been a crazy, crazy ride with him. Because like I said, he's from a previous relationship. So the first, I don't know, four years of his life, it was a struggle with his mom. Um, Were you guys together, like living together or no? Yeah, we were together and then we broke up. And then, crazy story, long story short, we broke up. Then I met, I met Crystal, my, current, my, my, my wife. Yeah. You know, um, and then we started dating. And then very shortly into us dating, I got a phone call that my ex was pregnant. Yikes. <laughs> so, so Crystal has literally been around this kid's entire life. You know, that's um, good. I mean, that's, and she was, I mean, just, she was the first person I told. Yeah. So that's, I mean, like early in our relationship, she was like, it was just perfect fit for us. Um, and she literally was the first person I told. Hey, here's what's going on. And you guys were dating at this time. Yeah, we had Dude, just. That's a good we, woman, so she's stuck around. Bro, no, she's so good. So we literally had like just started dating, and I told her, and I was like, we were. I remember we were in my house, and I was like, if you leave, I will never say a bad thing about you. I won't talk any shit. Like I'll totally understand. I'll be heartbroken, but like I get it. You know, like I would. Yeah. I I get it. And she was just like, well, I mean, if you're honest, just be honest, and I'll be cool. I'm like. Right on. Okay. And you know, it was, it's the rest of history. Wow. Yeah. But so anyways, so he was born in the first couple of years is we didn't, you know, he was 
not a different baby, but he just, you know, didn't, wasn't making a lot of eye contact and just not just showing kind of some um, developmental delays. Um, And thank God we got him into the, um, the UC Davis mine Institute. Mm. We got him tested and right after he turned two, he was diagnosed uh, with, with autism. So because we were at the mine Institute, we, uh, we let them basically enter his um, data into a study and we got everything paid for. Wow. So he was getting with the, like, he was working with the best specialists and everything. And then he got into a school, which uh, it's called uh, applied behavior consultants. So it's ABC school. Uh, it's over off of like Jackson and Bradshaw. And it's a school that's um, specifically designed to integrate autistic kids. So it's not a housing place for autism. Mm. It's a, they, they have kids from UC Davis who are studying to be, you know, it's a teaching school yeah. basically. And they have, um, their, their purpose is to get autistic kids to live on their own, to go through regular schooling, you know, as much as they can. Yeah. Um, so he got into that and they, it was amazing. Like as soon as like, so he didn't talk or anything until he was like f- around four. So it was really hard to communicate with him. Um, His diet was very, very strict. He like wouldn't eat certain things. Um, There was a lot of like head banging and spinning in circles, a lot of frustration. And I didn't get to see a lot of it because we were fighting for custody. She was kind of keeping him from me. And, you know, it was just a, I was getting him like every other weekend. So I had like very limited. Two times a month. Yeah, like very, very, and half the time the visits were like supervised. And it it was just a really, it was a really rough few years. And once he turned four, uh, between like four and five, I think she was like worn out or Mm. had a change of heart or something. But then she started letting me take him and then I got, uh, we got split custody. So then as soon as we got split custody, I started having him for seven days on, seven days off. And a mix between that and him being at that school, uh, he came out of it. It was like all of a sudden he was talking, he was eating, um, he got potty trained, you know, doing all his like just functioning. Wow. And it was like, whoa, like I literally watched this kid become like a kid in, in front of my eyes, go going from no communication and a hundred percent frustration to having like little mini conversations and like, whoa, like this is crazy. Um, and it seemed that him and I had a, we had a connection and I, I mean, I don't, other people told me about it. I didn't really like, I'm like, Oh yeah, we have this. It was just like, he would communicate with me. People could see yeah. that he was different around you. Well, and I noticed that he would communicate with me more than anybody else. Like I was, why able, do you think that was? I don't know. I, I, it's like, I understood his language. Like when other people couldn't, cause his speech was real. Um, he had a real hard speech impediment. So 80% of his words, you, you wouldn't be able to understand. Like he would talk to you and you'd be like, I have no idea what he just said. How were you so patient with him? I have no idea. I honestly, I, uh, my wife and I were talking about it last night and I honestly have no, it's not like I like consciously sat down and was like, okay, I've got a kid with autism who has, he has specific needs and I really need to be super patient. No, it was like, it just happened. It was like, oh, I get what's going on with you. It seems like you really wanted to be engaged with him. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have because you are his dad. But for the first four years of his life, 
it was very limited to your time with him. Yeah. I, okay. So the universe is crazy, man. It's, I feel like things happen, you know, everything happens for a reason kind of thing. Okay. In high school, I had like my best friend, his name was Matt. And later on in life, I realized that he was a high functioning autistic wow. undiagnosed, but he was the weird kid in school. Everybody hated him. Everybody like talked mad shit about him and just like thought he was, Not the, he, nice was he was the weirdo, you know? And he was, he was different. He was weird, but I loved him. I thought he was an awesome weirdo and <laughs> I was a weirdo with him. You know what I mean? Like we, we were inseparable hmm. and we skated together and we, we just like, we would literally meet up at like midnight and go on a, go skate for a couple hours yeah. at some random spot and just have the time of our life. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, this is amazing. This kid, this guy's awesome. Um, and then we, we lost contact. But it was like shortly after Matthias was born, then all of a sudden he kind of drifted away. And, and it was almost like he was there for, the, for like six years to train me. Literally to, like, to train my patients <laughs> yeah. and to train the random conversation offshoots, yeah. you know, and the, the, just the autistic tendencies. Because I don't, if you know anybody who's autistic, um, they can, they can, come off very cold hmm. sometimes because they just don't process the, the they don't show the, they yeah. feel them, but they don't show hmm. their emotions and they don't react to some, sometimes you like say something and they'll just like say, they'll just go on with whatever they were talking about. You're like, did you hear me? They're like, yeah, I heard you. And, oh shit. Well, I thought it was funny, but you didn't even react. Yeah. So dealing with that and then transitioning directly into my son, who's like, who at the time was basically kind of, very close in personality to um, my friend. I, I don't know. It was just like, I think that's where the patience came from. Basically it was like, I was like getting trained. Dude, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. I think the patience you had with your son, the, the story of you and your friend. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think things are connected like that. And I think that it's just amazing. And I, I hear you talking and I look at you the way you talk about your son and, Dude, you are a great dad. I I try really hard, and sometimes I feel like I lose my cool, and I'm not a great dad. <laughs> and sometimes I but losing but, your cool doesn't make you not a great dad. But what I do is is I talk about it. So like I'll I'll like talk with my son, my oldest, and I'll be like, hey, dude, I like I'm sorry about you know this is what I did, and this is why not excusing it, but I was like super stressed out about this and I'm sorry that I took it out on you or whatever, like whatever yeah. the situation is, I try to be like, how would I talk to him if he was just one of my buddies? Like, you know, you're teaching him how to be an adult. Yeah. Basically yeah. life is real and people aren't just smiling all the time. Yeah. You know, I, and I go back to this all the time. It's like, there was this time I yelled at my son in his face. Like, and I, I remember it. I felt, I went and sat on the couch after and I just felt like the biggest piece of shit ever. And I went down and I got him out of his bed and I got on my knees and so I could be eye to eye. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. That was not cool. Now, if I did that every day, then I'd be a maniac and my kid wouldn't trust me. Kind of like that. I don't know how dad's going to be today. Yeah. But if on occasion, I just don't, you know, because if I handle every situation perfectly and then I go, you know, anything that's actually real, I hide from my kids. Then when they have a hard situation at 20 years old, they're going to think something's wrong with them because yeah. I didn't handle it like my dad did every time. And yeah. I, that's another one that people, you know, kind of we've talked about on the podcast a little bit is like fighting with your spouse. To what level do you let your kids kind of see and be exposed to that? And, and I think you need to be aware of it. 
But at some level, I think it's good for your kids to know. Like last night we were talking with our kids um, about therapy. We were watching a TV show and the, de- the dude was going to therapy and, and we're like, oh, that's so good, you know. And, and our kids said, do you guys ever go? And we're like, yeah. There's been a few times to our marriage that, that we've gone and we actually are going right now. Because, not because there's something wrong, but because we care enough about the relationship to make sure that we're communicating well. Well, and you and, explain that to the kids, Oh, right? for sure. So that's, we that's explain the, it. That's the important part is letting them know that you're a human. Definitely. You know, because that's one thing that my mom made sure she did for me is she always spoke to me like an adult mm. and would own up to her own mistakes. Like if she did something, yeah. she would talk about it. Yeah. And she would also talk about things that she did when she was my age that were dumb. So that you could learn from it or... Not only learn from it and not even learn from it because the stuff that she was talking about had no application to me. It was just like, oh, you're a human too. Like, okay. Like, so we're the same. Like, you're not here. You're not above me right. because you're my mom. You, you're you're a, still a human. You're a human. Like, okay. Oh, I get it. So it's okay for me to make mistakes in my own world because I'm also a human. Yeah. So that's one thing that I try to do with my kids is humanize myself. Is like, I'm not on a pedestal. I'm not... Like, oh, my dad, you know, my dad's up here and he like, he never does this. Yeah. And he's like, like my dad. No, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be like, oh, like, oh, like my dad, my dad messes up too. Like, yeah. you know, but he also like, I could see that makes the high points even that much higher because it's not, oh, he's always at a high point because that's what he's expected to be. It's like, oh, dude, dad was on one today. Like yeah. dad was on point today. Because we want to give them something to aspire to, but also let them know what's real. Yeah. Coming back to your son now, yeah, sounds like when when you were to got custody and you were really a part of seeing him flourish into a child, yeah. How are you and him now? Like, how are you a oh, dad dude, to him? He's he's the most amazing dude. Um, so right now, even his like his therapists and the specialists at the school, um, which he actually is integrated into a public school. He's like in a somewhat specialized program in a public school now. Um, and he's still got some like occupational therapists that oversee his case. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all rave about him about, and it's crazy. Cause if you were to just meet him, you would, you wouldn't have no idea. I have no idea that you would just think like he's, um, he's like uh, a science minded kid. That's like, that's what you would think. Like, yo, he's just like, that kid's like super into like science and movies and stuff. Like, okay, all right, whatever. Like he's just a regular kid. Never know that he grew up not speaking. And you know, I mean like having like violent tendencies because of frustration and you wouldn't, you have no idea about the journey that he's been on because he's come so far. Um, And our relationship now, it literally blows my mind every day when I, just talk to him because we have like real conversations. I mean, we listen to podcasts on the way to school every morning and he like, will ask me, he like pause it, like ask me questions, you know? And it's just, it's how do you respond when he asks you a question? A hundred percent honest. Like I, I am literally engage like in conversation with him. Oh yeah. Oh, I try as much as I can. I, and it's, I really have to engage in conversation with him because he still is autistic so he still has those tendencies where he he won't engage with you unless there's something that he's like so unbelievably focused on. You know, like right now he's focused on um, Godzilla. So he's literally gone back and watched, I think, every Godzilla movie possible. <laughs> and he cool. knows that like because 
I didn't know this, but apparently there's different names for each Godzilla. Okay. Each Godzilla has like a style and it has like a name that's attached to it, like like Mecha Godzilla or okay. you know, and he literally knows all of the like and it's like a bunch of Japanese names. You know, so he's like pronouncing it however he's pronouncing it. But he that's one thing that he's obsessed about. And if you say even one thing, like if you just look at him and say, hey, do you like Godzilla? You'll have an hour long conversation about all the different Godzillas and the differences in them. But if you ask him, how was your day today? Fine. And then he won't say one more word about it unless you're like, hey, so what did you learn about today? So I've learned how to engage him in conversation, how to draw things out of him unlike anybody else that I know, you know, I mean, I don't see anybody else that has the ability to get the amount of everyday conversation out of him. You know, I'll ask him, so what did you do in the morning? And then he'll tell me. And then because of his autistic brain, he'll just start listing all the things. Next thing you know, I've heard about his whole day, I've heard mm. about everything that he's, that he's done through the entire day. And then he's like, all right, I'm back to my tablet now. Cool. We just had a half hour conversation about your whole day. You recited everything you learned about, which did it recess, what you had for lunch. What you, what, how you felt about it, who you played with. And it, I, all I had to do was spark that first one, just, yeah. you know, just get you going. And then you, you, you know, and I think that's the difference is a lot of people don't maybe don't know how to get that going out of him. So they get that coldness. They're like, Hey, how was your day with dice? He's like, it's fine. We're, we're boring. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh, okay. All right. I'm done. Dude. I'm so inspired <laughs> right now. Just thinking about my own, I have twins that are a, a 10 and I have an 11 year old. I'm inspired to go, I want to be the guy who knows how to pull conversation out of them more than anyone else. Not more, but that I want to care enough that when I pick up my 10-year-old from gymnastics, I'm like, hey, how's gymnastics? It was good. What'd you do? I, you know, And to get it to go into yeah. a, even the 10-minute ride home, mm-hmm. could I get her talking the whole time? What if just as dads across the nation, we just said, all right, we're going to try and spend time talking with our kids and get them to talk to us. I'm telling you, bro, the world would look different in 10 years. Well, and not just, okay, so not just talk to you, but to give you more than one word answers. Yeah, to engage in a conversation. Yeah, you you don't want to get your kids just to answer your questions. You want to get them to tell you things without them realizing it. Because you want them to have their own opinion too, not just say what you want to hear. Yeah. That's, it's like, that's so So simple and so difficult. For like your daughter with the gymnastics thing, you could just like, because you know, girls, they're always competing with each other. So you just be like, who do you think? Are they? You're like, like, hey, what did you, uh, like, what was your favorite thing that you did today? And she tells you whatever, you know, the ring, the rings or whatever. You're like, oh, who did that the best? And then she's like, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, you're on a whole conversation where she's talking about something that she's engaged in. And you're like, oh, okay, so that's okay, what so I'm going to try that when so, I pick her up. Next. Like, so that's what I need to do. And if that doesn't work, then you try something, you else. Try something else. And that's what I did with my son is like, I just would ask him different questions. I'd pick him up from school. And on the way home, I would just be like, hey, ask him a question and then and see how he responds. And if he didn't respond to me in the best way, then I'd be like, okay, let me try to rephrase that. How do I, who know, cares that much? Who, what I'm just saying, I, I mean that in the, in a yeah. good way, we should yeah. care. Like yeah. you care. Why do you care, Keith? Because I want him to be a like a good human being. I want him to like grow up to be like a good dude, and I want him to um, retain information. So that's by getting him to recite his day, he's not only retaining that information, but he's also processing his feelings about the day. You know, and that just processing makes you a better human. I mean, just Man. processing anything at any time. If you just sit back 
remove yourself from the situation and just literally just think about it, you're going to, you're going to find a better way to look at it. You know, dude, Keith, you know, you walked in here an hour ago and I think we both, it was Friday. We're tired. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you go, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And I, we've been talking an hour and I want to talk another hour and, and we're going to end right now. But I want to tell you, bro, I'll, I'll come back on. <laughs> I am inspired by you. I think you are an incredible human. I think you're really, really smart guy. Thank you. You're smart, man. The way you think, the way you think about people, the way you process your life, the things you remember and notice and how you've pro like you just said you want your son to do. You've done that regardless of the, you know, the environment you had or hadn't control of. Right. You didn't have control over all of that, but you took all of it and you processed it and it shaped you into the man you are. Dude, I'm just so impressed and and think you're a great dude. And I really appreciate you coming on and being open. And as I've thought about why this podcast is important to me is I don't think enough men have the opportunity just to be vulnerable for a minute and to sit and yeah. talk about all that stuff yeah. is like kind of bearing your soul a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's real. It's the stuff that matters to us. It's work. It's life. It's family. And, uh, man, I really appreciate you sharing it all. Yeah. Well, I think thank you for having me on. Dude, it's so good. All right, man. Thank you, and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. You too, man. What another great episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I just love hearing Keith talk about his relationship with his son. And I want to be that same dad who has those conversations with my own kids. I just leave that conversation inspired to engage with my children and be in tune with who they are and who they're becoming and really paying attention. You know, I loved what Keith said when he said, I want him to grow up to be a good human. He needs to be able to process his feelings about the day. Ah, oh, that is so good. And I think that a lot of us struggle with, are we a good man? Are we a good husband? And what does that mean? And I think serving our family and being aware of who they are answers that question. So I just want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, your spouse, and the community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's continue to rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. And if you enjoyed this, please write a review and share it with a friend. Talk to you next time. Thank you.